Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mind the Gap, a podcast seeking sales and marketing alignment by Nalix. I am Nick Zeke Lopez, uh, the host, and today uh, we have Jason Myers from the Austin Lawrence Group. Jason, how's it going? It's going well. Can't complain. No, I, well, I'm sure you could, but I like the fact that you choose not to. Um, so, so Jason, can you tell me um, what's your background? You, you're at Austin Lawrence. Can you tell tell the listeners a little bit about where you are and how you got there? Sure. Uh, try not to make it a long story, but uh, I started out um, in uh, public relations and marketing uh, in the high tech world. And I think it's appropriate. Uh, I know one of your questions there was, how long have I been in revenue producing operations? And I think that um, there is a distinction because I worked as a marketing director in the 90s, and I wouldn't really call marketing at that time a, a revenue operation, even though I reported to sales or, or to a VP of sales, but it was much different then. Uh, really went into more revenue operations when I decided to start a magazine in the mid 2000s in Austin, Texas, and uh, the goal, and, and, and we should fast. mention that was that was the uh, that we should mention that was the golden era for magazines, right? Yeah, well, it was kind of on the tail end. Uh, it, it still worked, <laughs> but uh, you know, I bootstrapped a uh, uh, you know a city business magazine. Uh, from nothing and found out real fast that as a marketer, I had to learn how to sell. <laughs> so that's when I started entering into sales training and and uh, got some good coaching in that direction, went through Sandler and some other things. And I think that's important because as I got out of the publishing business and really into content marketing, it's very similar, by the way, like operating uh, content like you're a media operation. I would say is the same the same thing, but um, learning how to sell was probably the most valuable thing, and learning how to create content that develops leads, right, or how to develop content that's going to match a sales process. And I think that was a real advantage for a while. And and you know we have an outline of things to talk about. We could scrap all of that right now if you could just tell our listeners how to sell. If you could just write there and you and we all walk away knowing how to make a ton of money, that would be great. Well, and there's, you know, I think there's two distinctions there too, right? It's how to sell in in terms of consultative sales process and how to close deals and how to prospect, which is really more of a marketing function, even when you're, you know, doing the cold calling and cold emailing, it's really a function of marketing. Well, and, and let's talk about that. I know from talking with you in the past, you're, you're very pro-demand gen marketing as, as part of the sales cycle. Tell us a little bit of, uh, in your world, prospecting, demand generation. What Can you define that for us? And also, why, why is it so important to sales? Right. So, And I make the distinction here, too, that you know I'm pro-demand gen because I think it gets lost. But not to say that lead gen isn't important. So the distinction I make between the two is that demand gen is how do we create customers and bring them to us, making sales a lot easier, as opposed to sales, which is going after deals that are currently in market. So when you're cold calling, cold emailing, you're trying to identify those that are entering the buying window to take advantage of it. 
And that's important. And we tell people to get that in order first because that's your low-hanging fruit opportunity. How do we identify those companies that are in market for your solution right now and and to uh, get them into the buying process? But it won't help you much with your longer-term opportunities where we really want to create the customers and bypass that whole competition thing uh, from the get-go. Yeah, and you, and you certainly have two different time horizons, I imagine, for those two different issues. Because the one of who's in the market right now and can we get them to buy us, I imagine is a pretty fairly short, regardless of your sales cycle, probably pretty short, probably pretty immediate. But the can we go out and create customers, that that can take a while, right? What do you, how do you uh, measure that? Like, like, like if it, like, and I'm imagining that could take a year, year and a half, but how do you, how do you know if that's successful? What, what does that look like? Well, like you said, it, uh, it does take a long time, but the process of getting there is the same. So if I'm looking at my buyers and really understanding why they're buying from me, what motivates them to take action against either you are a competitor or against the status quo, you know, what are those things that we can try to identify uh, that they're ready to make a move is more of a lead gen content. And then over, especially for companies that have a solution that requires a lot of education before somebody even realizes they have a problem worth solving, you know, that's definitely a demand gen thing. You have to write content that's you may not know the answers to, right? You pose a question and you may not have the solution. You're just kind of uh, throwing some thought leadership out there, asking the question so that uh, you're getting people to think that, hey, I may have something here that may be worth solving. And that takes a lot longer time frame to do that. And it takes a lot more. It, the content is written differently. Yeah. Well, and and so let's let's talk about content and, and, its, and its role there. How do you know? So let's say I'm going to write 10 pieces of content. I'm throwing this out there. How do you know what you should be writing? Like, like even between the two kinds that you said, the ones that kind of pose questions, talk about things versus the, hey, this is a piece of content selling what I have. Just high level, what, how do you know what, what's supposed to do what? Yeah, I think that's a great question. The answer I give is that you need to get focused first of all, on the sales process and the low-hanging fruit opportunity and then become efficient over time as you learn about where, what your customers really want so that you can develop the big idea around it uh, that becomes thought leadership. So in the short term, what I do is try to identify you know, two or three overarching pain points or triggers that I can develop content around. So maybe it's a webinar, maybe it's a white paper, but it's something that doesn't change. It's an obvious problem that customers have in the marketplace. And then through developing that one asset, however you want to put it on a platform, you know, whether it's in a podcast like this or in a webinar or a white paper, I can write then multiple pieces of content as facets to continuously push people to that asset. So I've got one white paper that that's not going to change. For example, in our industry, we have a white paper on, you know, your first 100 day plan as a new CMO and everything that you need to do. It's like a big checklist of things uh, to think about 
you know, getting alignment with mm-hmm. the CEO, assessing skill sets, all those kind of things. It's a helpful piece of content. The lead intelligence for us is that somebody downloads that and uh, we can assume that there's new leadership in that company. And that's the time when many companies will make changes around the resources that they're going to bring in, including agencies or hiring staff and that kind of stuff. So it's a definite trigger for us. I don't have to change that white paper. It, you know, I may update it from time to time as we get new information in or new input. But for the most part, I don't ever have to change that white paper. So mm-hmm. I can then write multiple blog posts, LinkedIn posts, develop videos, develop interviews, and continuously push people to that asset. So, for example, we just did a podcast with a CMO that we've worked with on and off for a long time, like over 10 years. And she referenced that document in her podcast. (laughs) Uh, She was one of them that helped uh, co-create it with us. And so it just becomes an opportunity to continuously push those things. But if you can identify two or three major assets like that, that continuously identify buying triggers, it becomes much easier to develop bite-sized content, blogs, to continuously push people and feed those lead magnets. It's a much easier proposition than coming up with a white paper every month or a webinar every month. And and listen, I've been on that hamster wheel of like every month we got to have something new to say. Every month we got it right. Every quarter we have to have it. And and it, you know, it's, it's fun in a way, if you like to create content, like that's fun. But I think you're describing more of like what I think about as like a hub and spoke model, right? You've got your you've got your hubs yeah. of content that you you just try to get back to, right? All United flights go through Chicago, all Delta flights go through Atlanta. You set up your Chicago and Atlanta and San Francisco and LA. And uh, you and then and then you you work from there. So that begs the question, how do you know I, I think this is the topic that and, and we've talked about it other times on this podcast. Then do you do you gate your hubs? So you know when someone gets to it, or do you not? How, how how do you how do you know when there's intent there? What do you do? So that's a that's a great question, and we still have it gated on our website with full disclosure. Uh, although in the future models, we're going to take it off. I've been sending it out without the gate, so I don't really want people to have to fill out a form to get that document anymore. So that's changed in the last year and a half. My thinking on that. And it's just, you know, we want the education. If I have their email address, I know they're clicking on it. So that's lead intelligence enough. Uh, but I often just use that in our uh, general marketing or outreach as one of our sales plays for new CMOs. I'll send them that document. And uh, if they read it without downloading the form, and really like it, usually they respond and tell me how great the document is. And it's kind of an open door for it. But so I guess uh, step but at that stage, it's right, actually early. good content. I mean, uh, it's and, the lead and, intelligence and, that I need to do outbound, right? Like, so the lead intelligence is that you're a new CMO. Now, the next question is, how do I get you engaged in a conversation uh, around what services are you changing and what's your new strategy and how can we help you fill in some skill gaps? You know, is endless so, ways. And, and to so get I'm into seeing, I'm seeing like a, like a content, a content based sales motion there of, 
I, yeah, even even today, like anybody could do this today. Just find your big pieces of content. Like, do you have a piece or two pieces of content you can get behind? And you almost have your, you know, we recently had Will Devlin on the podcast. Um, to, and we talked about what to do if you have a marketing team and a sales team of one. How to how to tighten the gap between marketing and sales there because he you know he was the marketer and there was a salesperson and now they have dozens of people in marketing and sales and we talked you know talked about back and forth but you've almost just laid out the playbook for marketing team of one sales team of one marketer find your content or create it if you don't have it yet and the marketer you're going to spend time creating small pieces of content that lead back to it I, I'm imagining almost a stepping step right you, you've got medium pieces maybe blogs that lead back to this white paper or whatever it is. And salesperson, go identify people who would find this content helpful. And that's your, that's a playbook. That's right. And I think I would add to that, that uh, even though I have just laid out the sales and marketing person of one, right? It's the same process when you scale it. Do you scale? And well, that's actually an interesting idea I've never thought of before. Uh, Maybe other people have, maybe this is what everybody's doing. I just don't know. Do you, do you scale out? What if you looked at scaling your teams, not by like regions or accounts or customers, but literal content, right? You, you, you say you assign a marketer and a salesperson per quarter to one or two pieces of content. And that's what they're doing. The salesperson goes, finds the, the finds people that that's responsible for the content. And as you grow, you just create more content and then assign more people to different content. Is that a silly idea? Why or why not? No, I think that's, you're, what you're talking about is what this should look like with uh, true sales marketing alignment, right? Like marketing and sales are working together to figure out how to get conversations with customers. So that's really what we all want. Like, what do I want more than anything? I want somebody to come into our website, say, I've read your content. Uh, I want to talk to a salesperson and see if this fits. And so the question then to me goes, hey, well, so everybody's trying to distribute their content, right? Everybody, the content we see, especially past 2020, super important. Any idea, like, how do you stand out? Like, if everybody's trying to plug and send content, I'm getting, you know, uh, I get so many emails a day of people, you know, they say you should make deposits and not ask. Yeah, well, what happens when I get 12 deposits a day? People sending me helpful content. I don't have that much time to read all these helpful blogs. What do you, is there a way around that? Or is that the new sales game? I think a lot that's the new sales game. Like, if I was looking at it in a scaled operation, if marketing is working with the salespeople, on their process. Like, we know this is a trigger. Can you go develop some content around this? We'll help you. We know it's a trigger. We want to use it in our outreach. Then marketing is going to develop that content. And then sales can take that content and use it however appropriately they want to get into sales conversations. So that might look like you know, taking the piece of content, maybe maybe as a marketer, I'm putting it up on our company page on LinkedIn. And then a salesperson that wants the personal branding out of that is going to take that piece of content. They're going to put their own spin on it and put their content out to their audience. And then, of course, if sales is constantly researching target customers and accounts that need to be in our database, you know, that should get included at some point into drip marketing campaigns and and other opportunities to to send out that content. So it's but it's all based around the trigger that sales likes to work on. So in other words, if my playbook back to our scenario 
if one of my sales plays is new CMO, and I'm constantly out there researching who's a new CMO in our target audience and how can I get that content in front of them. Uh, you know, I'm working my relationships to see if I can get an introduction, uh, whatever that looks like, commenting on their posts or doing some social selling. But it's it's all around that sales play. It's like, how do I get a conversation with this new CMO that I know is going to need some help? So, and one last thought too on, on, so, so this, this is a great, I I think this is a great sales and marketing playbook. I'm also conflicted on, on gated or not gated because, you know, someone, obviously you have, you have, this is an ungated asset when sales sends it to someone or sees if they want to read it, right? You give them access, right? It's there. But you know, it, I I think it's very popular to talk about, oh, all content's going to be ungated, but I don't know. I think there's plenty of utility in getting someone into a sales motion. I mean, HubSpot still gates all their content, right? Not all of it, but like the their key P, right? So it's, I don't know, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going and saying all content's going to be ungated. But with the death, like you said, if you have their email address now, you know, but if you don't, I see a lot of benefit to it still as well. Is there a happy medium, do you think? Or or are businesses just going to take a side? We are ungated, we are gated. Well, I think some of them that are taking the standpoint that we're not going to gate anything you know, have a lot of leads coming in already that are just kind of crappy and and it just doesn't make sense to continue to pass crappy leads over to salespeople. But they're like just as an aside, you know, if you're if you're saying that a, an MQL is a link click or a download, and we talked about this in one of our webinars, right? That's not a definition of a lead. That's the suspect. It can tell salespeople where to look. So if you have a BDR that can take some of those link clicks, check them against ICP, do some research on the account, it's perfectly valid. So I think you just have to think about whether or not it's appropriate to gate all these assets. I certainly wouldn't gate everything like we used to, but pick and choose what your most important things are. You know, a demo is always going to be gated. You know, webinar registrations are going to be gated. Uh, You may want to gate really high profile pieces that give you extreme lead intelligence. Like maybe you've got an ROI calculator where they can plug numbers in or some kind of demo. By the the way, and and this is... This is just me being contrarian. I think for an per enablex, I think demos are gonna go ungated next year. I think we're gonna put our complete product walkthrough ungated and then say everything because I think for me, that's what I want people to see. I want as many people to see the product. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but then well, I, I, I think I think that's 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 a discussion we're having back and forth. It depends on on how product led your sale is. Yeah. And I don't think that's contrarian at all. You know, that's probably a really smart move. It's all about, are you creating resistance or not? Like if somebody is going to hesitate to download something, then I wouldn't gate it. I would just put it out there for consumption. You might get an SEO bump out of it anyway. But <laughs> well, who knows how that works? That's no, I'm joking. But um, you know, the, so, the reality is, is that you know you don't want to give up all of your lead gen in the short term because it does take a long time to generate, you know, or create customers in the demand gen fashion. So you may want to not want to give up any leads. Although I will say this, like you know, we generate a fair amount of MQLs 
you know, old definition MQLs from downloads and link clicks. I have yet to sign a customer from any of those. They've either come from outbound, from relationships, or it's so much of like a Venn diagram. Like for for what I've I've seen, you know, small to medium sized businesses is like maybe you do, but they weren't even those MQLs anyway because you had them through. Like you said, maybe they were also outbound. You, like they fall into that funnel. Like sure, yeah, they they went through the gate, but we you were gonna get them anyways. Like you're gonna, you know, they, they, it wasn't that wasn't the only interaction they had with the brand, but but I, I think people will fight over that till the cows come home, and they should. We should. I think we should all be <laughs> fighting a lot more than we are. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll realize that ultimately it is a vanity metric, right, for marketing. Like it's trying to yeah. show our, uh, you know, input into sales, and and really we should just be tracking from start to finish every client, like how they found us. Uh, that that gives you all the information that you need to know. That's that's the word of mouth thing that uh, that so many are, are just to ask them, like the ask them method of attribution. Yeah. Uh, well, well, and exactly. Speaking of that, as we as we wrap up, what are your thoughts? You know, we talked about attribution there. Uh, what are you? What do you think? Do you see any major shifts in the B two B SaaS cycle? I think the last three years have been huge. I think content being more important, right? Um, if, you know, I don't know if you've heard the novel coronavirus changed a lot of things. Um, uh, but, but, you know, do you see any other big shifts in the next three to five years that you think will, will happen? Things like all content will be ungated, stuff like that. Would it, uh, uh, when you look at your crystal ball, what do you see? Um, I think the biggest thing that I see is that I can't imagine that the pure outbound beating people over the head to take meetings is a sustainable sales go-to-market strategy. I, I know companies are going to continue to do it. Uh, maybe some industries where they're just never going to be able to get away from that. But I think if you're in in SaaS, definitely customers just don't want to buy that way. And I think it's a movement because of so much content out there and let's face it, most of the content out there is mediocre at best. The uh, And I don't think people start their searches necessarily at Google anymore. So that's the biggest trend. You know, that's been a trend for a while. Uh, you know, I looked at a client that I was working with uh, in 2019, and I did an analysis of, you know, win losses from, you know, MQLs and nurtures and and everything else. And you know, I took out the hand raisers, the ones that said, you know, I'm interested. I want to talk to sales because we were getting some of those. But I but I measured, you know, the people that were downloading our ebooks, downloading white papers that I was doing nurture campaigns on and found that uh, I closed exactly zero of those. And I was like, what is going on? Because we're still making sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all of these sales are not coming from personal referrals out of our network. They're finding us somehow, but we're not doing, you know, advertising. It was all, you know, content and white papers. And so at that point, well, first of all, I kind of had a breakdown because I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but but I couldn't figure, <laughs> you know, I couldn't figure out what 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 is it that's working what was working is that we were continuously putting the thought leadership out there and and you know this is people will come to you when they're ready to buy and like 
you can keep doing the phone calls and email, outbound emails and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and it'll still work, but it's so inefficient. Like if you, mm -hmm. if you don't start thinking about the long term, how do we create customers and bring them to us? You're always going to be stuck in that outbound beat them over the head motion. Personally, I don't want that to be the rest of my career. I've always said it's not, it. it's not a job worth doing if you don't have several existential crises a week. And it sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you were. Um, okay, wrapping Absolutely. up. Anything to plug? Any 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 anything you'd like to give a shout out to before we uh, before we wrap up? Uh, you know, just want to give a shout out to uh, our company, the Austin Lawrence Group. If I can put a little plug in. Uh, you know, we really do work hard to figure out not what we can sell you, but what makes sense in your go-to-market strategy. Um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, what do I see changing? I think you're going to see at least the innovators change their go-to-market motion because a lot of them are copying the predictable sales revenue model that... Uh, I just don't think works anymore. And they're struggling to figure out, well, what is going to work? And um, so we want to find that out with you, not for you, with you. <laughs> with you. Yes. Um, awesome. And that's, that's uh, ALG.com. Is that, is that right? Or is it Austin Lawrence? So what is yeah, that? Austin, Austin Lawrence.com. Yeah. AustinLawrence.com. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Myers, uh, CRO at the Austin Lawrence group. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. This has been Mind the Gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by Enablix. My name is Nick Zeke Lopez. Thanks for listening.